Hello and welcome to a special emergency pod edition of Let's Pod This. My name is Andy Moore, and I'm joined with... Scott Melson. Joined with, joined by. Joined by, I think. Scott Melson. Uh, thanks for being here, Scott. Yeah, man. Couldn't thanks for it. letting this come to your living room again on a Saturday. I mean, I feel like it's the only option we have, right? After the, the crazy developments of the last, like, 20 hours. Yeah, I agree. I know that you are at least a little excited about about doing an emergency podcast. I I mean we it's our first it's our first chance. It's the first time that we've had an like truly unexpected event. I mean we've had a couple things that were you know, maybe a little bit surprising didn't go exactly the way we thought, but they always happened on Wednesdays or Thursdays, so they didn't get their own like special issue of the pod. Right. Uh and yet here we are because this week if if there's one thing we should have learned this year, it's that nothing is going to go the way we expect. I mean that's a that is a fact. And so after fifty three days of an a the first extraordinary session of the fifty sixth legislature, we found out last night about eight o'clock, eight thirty, that there will be a second extraordinary session of the Oklahoma legislature. What happened? So uh, last night about that's about eight thirty, I think, uh, the governor put out a statement saying that she had vetoed um not uh uh, House Bill 1019 in its entirety, but most of it. She did a line item veto. So there's something like 170-ish, I think, sections of the bill. Uh, she vetoed all but five. Right. Which I wondered why it took her so long, because my thought was if she was going to veto this, she would just veto it straight out right away. But I think they probably needed a few hours to come through this and make their decisions and really kind of plan what they're going right. to do. Right, and that's, and I, th- I think that's you know you and I had talked about that yesterday that like if there was going to be a veto, we thought that it was going to come down yesterday, um, not something that so so quite frankly the fact that it was eight thirty and we hadn't heard anything, I just assumed she was going to sign the bill over the weekend on Monday, um, and then it comes out that she had this this veto, and I think you're right, the delay was probably working through all the sections and and I think the idea behind how she's done this is that the parts that she's left intact are the portions of the bill that um, uh, a portion appropriate money to the vital agencies that were in danger of losing funds on December 1st. Right. The Health and Human Services agencies, um, Department of Health, the 30 million they need to make payroll. Right. Um, And then Healthcare Authority, I think. Healthcare Authority, DHS, uh, the Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services. And so it, um, and we'll come back to this, that it sounds like she's trying to fund certain agencies for a little while um, to buy some time and come back, which that, well, I would just say it now, that by itself was part of the suggestion from, I think, House leadership um, back, I don't know, a few weeks ago in special session. Right. And the governor's finance secretary, Preston Dorfinger, who is now running the Department of Health, um, he said it was kind of that same week that he was taking over at the health department, but he said, hey, that's not constitutional we've got a balanced budget right uh, requirement in the state constitution and you you've got to only you have to make um, spending decisions based on what you are appropriated not you can't spend it all in three months and then take nine months off right to broadly generalize right that. right and and so you know several lawmakers have put out statements in response to this um one of them and i know we're going to talk about this more in little bit uh, representative josh cockroft um his statement kind of alludes to that like is this like is it constitutional for her to do that um 
which I don't know the answer to whether it is or not, but what are you going to do in the meantime? Right? right. Like, I don't think we're going to get a Supreme court ruling about this on Monday. Right. So, <laughs> so let's um, start by saying a couple of things. One, I think it was funny how, how we both found out about this. Um, I was at the emergency vet with one of our dogs who's been there for a week now, six days. And is um, doing better, right? It sounds like. Uh, ish. Yeah. Um, and so we were, I was like in the room just visiting him like you'd visit any loved one at the hospital. And you called me, which is rare. We could yeah. give my text yeah. like most, like right. most people. And so you called and I was like, oh, what's going on? And all you said was, "Dude, she vetoed it." Like it was the first thing, because <laughs> yes. your wife had got a like a notification from a right. news channel on her phone, uh, and so we talked for a minute, and then I looked over at Twitter, and it was just starting to explode. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone was chatting about it, and I don't, I don't think there'd been any official statements out yet. It, it had come out about fifteen minutes prior. It took a minute. I mean, it took a minute for official statements to come out because I think people were shocked. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, then, and what's funny is people were shocked that she did it, despite the fact that she has repeatedly threatened to do it. Right. I mean right? she said from the beginning, when she very first called the special session, come back, do these things, and if you don't, I'm gonna veto anything that uses one time money or cut, cut stuff. Cut stuff. Which I mean, right after that, some House leadership said, well, they'd be okay with cuts of about $60 million, which is roughly where we ended up. And so it's like, well, I mean, you've been saying this the whole time. Why now? Or Why now? Like, right. why didn't you right. push this well, harder? And I mean, it's just it's just funny to me that people are like, oh, my God, I can't believe she did it. I mean, we were taking bets on it on the pod. Right. So I, I pulled up week. our spreadsheet from that. So last in our last episode from like two days ago... Um, we had uh, guest John Rourke with us, and so all three of us kind of cast our predictions for how many yes votes the Legacy Wells uh, bill would get and the budget bill, and then whether or not the governor would sign both of these. Uh, we all assumed she would s- that she would uh, sign the Legacy Wells bill, and she and, did, and she did. So on that one, I said uh, you said thirty-two yes votes, uh, I said thirty-four, John said thirty-six. There were actually 27. Yeah. So we all overshot that one. Um, and then for the budget bill, uh, John said 30. You said 31. I said 32. And there were 29. So yeah. we overshot that one, too. Not a, not by as much, which is surprising to me. Frankly. Right. I like that. Um, so John was the most wrong and then the most right, right. on those <laughs> closest. I don't, I don't know if we're playing p- price of rights rules. Price is right. I don't know if we're playing yeah. the Price is Right rules on I, this. I don't know that anybody gets credit for the vote tallies. I mean, I, just because. Yeah. I mean, we didn't. I think. I think we got to hit it on the head since we didn't. We didn't. We didn't call like an over and under. Right. Know? Yeah. We didn't specify rules on this because we just were throwing stuff out there. We'll throw uh, that down for future pods. But props to John for getting closest on the budget. But then after the recording, we were we had a group text, and John had was the only that predicted kind of just to be a naysayer, but he said. I, he didn't think the governor would sign the budget. He thought she would veto. And I think he was just kind of saying it so that someone so was, someone said it. Add some drama to it. But she did veto. And so in the group text, I told John that he will receive a let's fix this tote bag. I I think that, uh, given what we're talking about, that's the most appropriate, uh, appropriate prize. I'll have to have some made because we don't actually have <laughs> any of those. Um, I told him I'd pay for it out of my pocket as well. So. Um, That's important. John's the treasurer. So. Yeah, he he vetoed the idea of 
buying tote bags at this point. <laughs> now, if you uh, are I, are three listeners now, yeah. four counting John. It's true. Um, but I saw someone else on Facebook that liked it, and I thought, well, they must have listened to it. Delightful. Or they're just trying to pad our egos. But maybe four listeners. If any of you would like a Let's Fix This tote bag, please tweet at us or send me an email. Hashtag tote. If I <laughs> totes, <laughs> um, let's totes this. If um, if I get enough feedback, then maybe we'll order some and set them up as a fundraiser. But um, that was unexpected. So let's talk about responses to this. Well, first of all, um, the governor's statement said I'm vetoing 165 of 170 sections. She also posted a 14-minute-long Facebook video. Um, that I admittedly have not had a chance to watch yet. She didn't provide any other specific information, so we don't know when the second special session starts. We don't know really what her plan is moving forward besides, y'all come back and fix this. Right. Which is what the first thing said was, y'all come in and fix this. Right. And so there's some unanswered questions. I think... Yeah, I, I think that's, that's those are some of the unanswered questions. I I have more. I'm not at all sure how this works, right? Like, because I I don't you know looking at the, I did not read the bill, the 170 sections in its entirety, but I did read the fiscal analysis of the bill, the fiscal impact statement, and it's not like I don't think anyway, it specifically says like this money goes here and this money goes. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's it's real vague. It is right. There's like there's like sixty million or something from the curb fund, right? That gets divvied up in several different ways. So can you can you spend some of that but not spend all of it? Like I don't, I, I just don't know. I don't know how this works. Like I think there's, <coughs> I think there's there's questions about how this. Um, forget the constitutional questions. I think there's questions about how this practically is going to work. Everybody is saying that she did it in a way that protects core services until December first. And maybe that's true. I certainly think that was her intent. I just don't know if that's if it's going to work that way. The other question I have is, and this is something that you know, some legislators have brought up in their responses to this is okay. So they come back. She's charging them with finding uh, more revenue solutions, specifically recurring revenue solutions, because the un- the not untold, but the story that has gotten less focus out of the special session. And I think it's I think it's reasonable it's got less focus because there's been so much other stuff to talk about but we're starting next year with a 678 million dollar hole as right? of what they passed right as of the budget bill that they passed this time right like so we're, we're already starting next year in the hole almost 700 million dollars and people have brought up the point that you can you can like this or dislike it agree or disagree but the fact is next year is an election year so right and so the idea of passing new revenue is even more difficult or unpopular right in a, in that kind of year right and so i think that part of her 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 idea is get people back get this done before we go into regular session in february which sounds great it doesn't change state section state question 640 right it doesn't change the fact that there's this 76 vote threshold that house leadership insists they cannot possibly overcome i personally think that they can overcome it um i don't know if they have the political will to do that or not right so i'm was trying to research i haven't found yet if if the governor has ever vetoed the budget and if so when that was do you know i i don't know 
I, I, I don't think that Governor Fallon has ever vetoed a budget. No. Yeah, certainly not. Um, but so this is this could be unprecedented. And of course, I mean, hats off to all of our friends in the media who have had to be up at the Capitol day after day during all of this as well, even on the days when the legislature just like gaveled in and out or they didn't even gavel in. They just had maybe JCAP meetings or something else. The media is still there trying to cover this. And this is traditionally it's their expected off season as well. Uh, and so there were several of them that were actively headed out of town yeah, yesterday. That's right. Um, um, and are now having to turn around and we're worried they're going to turn around and come back. Right. Well, and since we don't know when special session will restart, there's a lot of a lot of uncertainty if it'll be before or after the Thanksgiving holiday. Yeah. We just don't know. Yeah. But yeah, you're absolutely right. A huge shout out to, um, I would specifically say, Catherine Sweeney from Journal Record does a fantastic job. Um, Grant Herms from News 9 does a great job. Dale Denwald at The Oklahoman is fantastic. Uh, Sean Ashley from E-Capital. Cynthia, she's at E-Capital. Trace with Non-Doc, of course. absolutely. Um, And there's a bunch of others. Um, Aaron Brillbeck with News 9 as well. Um, I'm going to give a shout-out to Phil Cross. (laughs) Phil does a great job. Um, Barbara Hoberbrook from Tulsa World is up Mm -hmm. there all the time. Uh, And there's probably others that we don't even get a chance to catch. Um, Jordan Lucero from Fox Mm -hmm. News. Yeah. uh, Or Fox 25. Did they say the name Weingerter, Weingerter, Justin? Um, There's a number of folks that are... Uh, in the media, they do a tremendous job up there, and it is not easy. But anyway, so I think I think big questions coming out of this are, I mean, I think the first question, one, when do they come back? Two, what does this, like, what does this veto mean, both pract- practically in terms of the implementation of these appropriations um, and less practically but kind of related constitutionally, like, is she allowed to do this given our balanced budget requirements? Three, assuming that they do come back for special session, and that this, what Doug Governor Fallon has done, is, like, allowed, what is the legislature going to do when they get back? What are the next steps for them? Like, do they gavel in, gavel out, and just say we're not doing anything else? Because the thing is, they have that option, right? Like, they can, like, the, the legislature could do, actually, I think that may be the constitutional implication. I think because this veto creates an unbalanced budget, I don't think the legislature can do nothing, I think that may be the answer. That because Can they of, override her veto with a two-thirds vote? I don't think they have two-thirds votes. Mm, they might now, though. The Senate certainly does. The House is close. If they would all vote for it, that's the heart. And I bet, so I bet you're right, because House Republicans, the, uh, the base Republicans, would probably go for it. The far-right platform caucus would probably not, and the right. Democrats won't. Right. Interesting. Right, so it's I don't think they have. I don't think they have the votes to override her veto. So I wonder, I wonder if the governor, if the governor is allowed to line out and veto the budget, and it creates an unbalanced budget. I think that that may be something that forces the legislature to take action. Right. Yeah. I mean, so then it I becomes, know what she, is the action going to? What's the action going to be? Right. So she definitely has the constitutional authority to veto specific line items in there, and approve the remainder of the bill. Um, any item so vetoed is void unless both the Senate and House vote to override by two-thirds so that would be difficult very curious uh so let's talk about response uh first we'll talk about response against the veto which is house republicans uh senate republicans too primarily like this is base republicans i haven't heard from seen any statements from the far right platform caucus group 
Um, but in the Senate, Pro Tem Schultz, I think, was the first official response I saw. And he basically said that the governor didn't indicate that the agreement was insufficient or that she was going to veto it. So I think he felt a little blindsided. Uh, he admitted the Senate didn't like the bill as it was passed either. And that was pretty obvious from the floor debate. He believes that the special session is a waste of time and money. And he says, quote, it doesn't help Oklahoma thrive. It only serves to throw our budget into further chaos. I mean, the bill doesn't help Oklahoma thrive, right? No, but that wording, <laughs> the bill that I mean, wording I think, is yeah. from her her um, statement. But I think that was a pretty measured response. Yeah. It was honest. I mean, he. I'm sure he was like, dang it. I mean, we didn't like it either, but we passed it. Why couldn't you just sign it? Well, and I, I am a little confused. The governor didn't indicate that the bill was insufficient. I feel, I feel like I feel like she she did. I think she's expressed her displeasure over this several times. Well, yeah. So I think because you know the Senate and Governor towards the end had come together and were in more agreement up until the last week or two. That's a good point, Scott. I think until the last week or so, it seemed like they were a little bit tighter, and then things got quiet yeah. there. Um, but before that, they were on the same page of like, we got to raise revenue. The Senate had passed the big revenue bill. She was very vocally endorsing of that. Um, but then when it came down to, to whatever agreement might have been made, if there was anything, as we know from this special session and from the general session back in the spring, the two chambers don't talk no. much, hardly at all. I, I think that they, I mean, I don't, I don't know this. I think they may actively dislike each other. Like, yeah, I mean, they, like, I wonder if like the like if leadership in the chambers actively despise each other because it kind of seems like it sometimes. Yeah, and I've talked to some senators who said like they've never spoken with members of the house before, and it seems you know I don't know, call me crazy. If it was me, if I was speaker uh, or pro tem for that matter, I would try to set up a regular meeting like maybe weekly right. or every other week. Right. Um, certainly at least weekly during a special session with the other chamber. Um, but they this whole year, they've really been kind of in opposition to each other. Yeah, and especially given the situation that we're in, right? Like this, like, you know, a series of... If you've got a must-pass bill and it's a must-pass in both houses, it seems like maybe some coordination would be in order. And I have to say, I think it was kind of a... I don't know. I mean, it's been like this escalating like tit for tat, right? Like McCall says that the Senate is the problem. They can't get anything done. They come back later that day and pass the revenue bill and say, um, hey, how about, the, how about that? How about the apples? Okay. Right. So then the House takes it up uh, and can't get it through. So then the House takes up their, you know, the slash and dash bill, the, the cuts bill, passes it, and then adjourns, not goes into recess at the call, like adjourns, sine die, before the Senate has even voted on it, right? So, like, the House is leaving town. Right. So it, we're, we're done here. You don't know that this thing is going to pass the Senate. And there were several, like, there were several senators on the floor during debate calling out the House for, like, what like right. what the hell? Like, you guys freaking adjourned? We haven't even passed this thing yet. Thanks a lot, jerk. Like, <laughs> well, and there was some, I mean, someone had kind of uh, postulated that the Senate almost could have done that before. Um, they could have passed the, the big revenue thing. And then then adjourn Sunday night. And send it to the House because the bill technically, technically that bill did originate in the House and went to the Senate. The House did the right, probably the wise thing of kind of clearing up any possible unconstitutionality of that. Certainly um, the safe thing. And it didn't pass anyway, so it's all moot. So that was, uh, that was Senator Schultz's response. Speaker McCall over in the House, 
he said... You mean over in Cabo? Yes. Yeah, so rumor has it the speaker <laughs> may have left town and headed to his vacation in Cabo. We should emphasize that is 100% a social media rumor. We do not have any idea if Speaker McCall is actually in Mexico or not. Yeah, I reached out to a few folks in the legislature, and none of them know, knew for sure, but they all said they had heard it from multiple sources as well. But if there's one thing that rumors are good at, it's being uh, confirmed by multiple unnamed sources, right. especially from folks who maybe dislike the person the rumor is about. Yes. So um, Speaker McCall said in his statement that this was a complete reversal of the governor's promise and that the veto creates additional uncertainty in the state. It interjects more chaos and drama into the lives of Oklahomans at a time when they want stability and that she could have just signed the budget and then brought the legislature back for her second special session. So interesting wording there that it says for her second special session. Um, And also that's a, that was a possibility, right? That she could have just signed this and then said, I'm going to sign this so we've got something, but y'all need to come back and really fix it this time. So she has that option. Um, I am not in contact with the governor or her inner circle, so this is complete speculation. But my suspicion is the reason that she didn't is because that would put them under no pressure to act, right? right? right. Because there's not an immediate threatening problem. Like the state's not going freaking bankrupt in the next 10 days. So what would happen is she would call them back for a special session. They would come back. They would gavel in. They would, you know, say <laughs> oh, a few we things. We can't do anything. Right. right. Oh, sorry. We, we don't see a reason why we should be here and gavel out and go home. Or they'd pass some kind of um, 51 vote incentive removal that further hoses poor people right. or something. Right. So I think that doing it, I think, and, and you know, I, I'm going to say a couple things about the statement. The other, the other thing is this is a complete reversal again. No, it's not. I don't sit in the budget meetings, right? I'm not part of the negotiating team. I have no idea what governor Fallon has said to the speaker and his staff. However, on the basis of her public statements, this is not a reversal at all. Her last public statement before she issued one yesterday saying she'd be with this bill said that she found this unacceptable, inadequate. She hadn't decided whether she was going to sign it or not. And she said, and I quote, we can stay here till Christmas. I don't care. Right. If there's right? only one person at the altar, it's not a marriage. <laughs> right. Like this is like, I, I, again, I don't know what the hell she told you when you guys are, you know, sitting in the office. Right. Like, may have been with uh, Harold Hammond, you know, Larry Nichols talking about what the bill should look like. But based on her public statements, this is not a reversal at all. Right. So I want to jump to Representative Josh Cockcroft's statement. Um, oh, Jesus. Right now, because it was, um, it, I don't remember if it came out before or after Speaker McCall's, but there were some similarities. For one, they used the same uh, like email newsletter system, um, which is fine. It just was one I hadn't heard of before. Um, his response was very long, longer than the other two um, Maybe the longest one I've seen, except for the governor's 14-minute Facebook video. Um, his statement also used the phrase, reversal of her promise and no stability in a state that desperately needs it. So that was very similar to the speaker's wording. And it's not uncommon. They may use the same PR person. Um, if, you know, I don't, if the speaker actually is in Cabo, he may have texted Cockcroft and asked him to write his statement. Who knows? Um but there was some interesting wording. Um, one we mentioned earlier that it raises some questions regarding the constitutionality of the veto as it leaves the budget unbalanced. 
and there was no documentation provided veto. That was a good point, and I hadn't thought about that until I read his statement. Um, and then he also has a phrase that says, quote, this is unacceptable, and she should and will be held accountable. And then later it says, it's time to use the mechanisms in the House. It's time to use the mechanisms the House has already set up to call the governor to the carpet and for her and the executive branch's actions over the last seven years. So it was almost, you know, the, the uh, adolescent in me wanted to say, is that a threat or a promise? Uh, but I just thought it was interesting that, that to talk about holding her accountable and that they need to um, call her to the carpet for her, her actions over the past seven years, which, what, what does that have to do with it? Well, I just so many questions. So, um, one, yeah, I agree with you about the constitutionality. Two, no, it is not a complete reversal because he says that in there too. Three, this isn't really a statement. It's a, a question. It's more of a statement. Using one-time revolving funds and carryovers also does not bring stability to a state that definitely desperately needs it. Right. Just as just point of order, that is also not something that brings stability. Um, when you say that the governor should be held to account, when you're going to use these mechanisms to call her, call her onto the carpet, what does that mean? Do you think it's a veto, uh, the override the veto? I mean, if... That's the only mechanism I could think of. Well, he, in that same bullet point, he did talk about the new commission that's been set up to conduct agency audits. And he said, oh, we should start those right away. Which, fine. There, I, a lot of these agencies haven't been audited in a long time because the speaker and the pro tem have not requested an audit. Um, Auditor Gary Jones was pretty open about this. He said, yeah, they, they, they authored a joint bill together, McCall and Schultz, to authorize um, performance audits to state agencies. They haven't called for any. And they keep cutting the auditor's budget. So he has fewer staff now to do these. And he's like, man, it's tough for us to get these done in the first place. You keep cutting our budget too. And so it seems like it's one of those things it's easy to say, well, we should audit them. They're probably waste, fraud, and abuse. But if you don't actually go audit them, then you don't know. Right. And what if you don't find anything anyway? Right. You may right. find that, in fact, they don't have enough resources. Right. 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 No, and this is, I just, you know, I don't, I don't know if uh, Representative Cockcroft is a listener to the pod. If you are, Representative Cockcroft, we would love for you to come on. It and, would be, yeah, tremendous. And, and talk, about, talk about this. Please consider this an open open invitation to come to the pod and talk about your statement and the things in it that we don't understand. Okay. So let's, those were the, the, those are the only three official responses that have come out. Yeah. Right? That were like a, like a well, press release, press release or a, a lot of people statement. have said stuff on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I mean, none, none, nothing that's particularly surprising. No, I think the other, like, uh, the other Republican responses have been like, wow, didn't expect this. Okay, not ideal. This does raise some questions about stability and all that, but uh, what can we do? So I guess we'll have to go back. And, and there were several points in, in Representative Cockcroft's statement that were like, you know what, I'm glad this gives us a chance to kind of fix some of these things. During this interlude, I'm going to eat some more M&Ms while Scott lets his dog in. Today we're eating coffee nut M&M's, which is a new product I was not aware of. They're not that good, but we ate the whole bag. 
She's hammering. Sorry. Right. No, that's no problem. Where were we? Hmm. We'll jump back on with the uh, Democrats' response. Okay, so um, next let's talk about the responses that were supportive of the veto. And that was primarily the Democrats and... Uh, I only saw House Democrats. I don't know about the Senate yet. Um, and also, like, a lot of the some, there were public some service organizations. Go I ahead. Think, I think there were some some Republicans that I think feel like this was the right call. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, because there are several of them that voted against both bills. Like, if you voted against the bill, then it seems like you probably think this, right. Is, right. this is the best course of action. True. And I think it does, like just makes it more difficult um it really like i've thought about if it was me if i was in the legislature how would i feel about this and i think i feel the same as i do right now and it's like all right hey uh i'm kind of glad that she stuck to her guns um, right. and actually said like there's been plenty of times in fact back in may she said i'm gonna veto this if it's terrible and they came down and she was like well i guess i'll sign it right. and if she had vetoed it then we would have avoided this whole thing right um, right and kind of knocked it out back in june um, but I think they all thought that the cigarette bill would be constitutional, and it wasn't, even though a lot of us found it unconstitutional. I saw a few uh, Republican folks that were really impressed with the governor's leadership. Uh, they may have attributed to the fact that she is term limited and she'll be out uh, at the end of next year, and so she's got nothing to lose. She's not running for re-election here, and I haven't heard if she's running for any other kind of statewide office. D- uh, Dr. Keith Gaddy who's a professor of political science at OU, his, he made some comments in the non-doc article that was covering this. And his comments are basically like, uh, she's got like 18 months left in office. She's never running for anything again. What the hell else does she have to do? Right. <laughs> like, Might as well do the right thing. Yeah. Um, or something. Um, yeah. You know, again, that's even as soon as I say do the right thing, I'm like, eh. I, I admit that I am worried also about what could happen here um, if if the legislature can't pass something. So they could go back in and rehear that same revenue bill and somehow come up with five more votes in the House and pass that. I don't know. That. Which is which is honestly what I think will happen. I think that that is if you're going to if you're going to kind of quiz me on most likely outcome. I think they go back to some version of, was it, was it 1054 or 1024? Yeah, 1054. They go back to some version of 1054, which is cigarettes, uh, uh, alcohol, tobacco, fuel, and GPT. Mm-hmm. And they pass that mm-hmm. um, because they were only five votes short. My, if you look at the Republicans that voted no, the 23 Republicans that voted no, and the five Dems that voted no, I can't see anything that you can do to move those five Democrats. Um, I mean, maybe you could, but I just don't know what leverage... Um, leadership would a, have with them. I think a couple of the Dems might might switch. Yeah. Um, but th- I think the Republicans, even though there's more of them, um, a couple of a couple of the far right folks voted for it, and maybe you could get one or two more. I don't. I feel like you get two Dems and two Republicans, and oh, there you still was, need one more. There were several committee chairmen that voted against it. Oh, that so had you could voted their arms. Yeah. So there were f- at least five committee chairmen who voted for the bill when it did not include gross production tax. And they voted against the bill when it did include the gross production tax. I didn't catch that. Yeah, and so I think if your leadership, if you're, I mean, if we're if we're doing like House of Cards, West Wing style politics here, if you're the speaker, those are 
remotely. I mean, <laughs> those are considerably different styles. Uh, that's true. But I think the point is to say, if you're trying to play like hardball mm-hmm, politics, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think one thing, if I mean, and, and not, I, I don't think that he can do this. I know that he can do this. I don't know if it would work. But Speaker McCall can go to those five chairmen and say, you vote for this bill or you lose your chairmanship. Right. That's, I mean, plain and simple. Right. Which, I mean, that's, yeah, that's how you do politics. Right. I mean, this is what, I mean, you know, Leslie Osborne, friend of the podcast, this is what happened to her, right? right. She lost her uh, chairmanship of the A and B committee because of public disagreements that she had with leadership. Yeah. Um, I spoke to her last night. I didn't, I didn't ask her um, this, but I kind of wonder, I know she's, well, I spoke to her last night and uh, I didn't ask her, but I definitely wonder if she feels relieved that she is not A and B chair right now and having to be the one to go through this and to run these bills under her name and try to defend them, um, especially the bills that she doesn't support. I know that's a, that was hard during during the yeah. regular session last year. Yeah. Um, and you can see Chairman Wallace kind of struggling with some of this, just like, come on, guys, just pass this. Right, right. Um, so that's a mechanism they have. And so, so I mean, if you, can, if you can get everybody who voted for it the first time to vote for it again, which, I, I mean, to me shouldn't be hard because you're, vo- you're you're already on record supporting the thing, right? And you supported it and it didn't pass. That's the worst. Like if you're if you're an anti-tax Republican in Oklahoma, that is the worst possible outcome is to vote for a tax increase that then doesn't even become law. Right. Okay? Like you're not even successful. So if you can if you can do it again, not lose anybody, you twist those five arms, maybe you pull, you know, two of the Democrats across. Right. I think you can get to 70. Like, I think you could get to 76 pretty easily. I think they could have gotten to 76 the first time, except I agree with what several people on both sides of the aisle have said that leadership didn't actually want the thing to pass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't, you know, we're not in those backroom meetings, so we don't know for sure, but that it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Well, and not only is it not beyond the realm of possibility, but I mean, legislators have openly spoken about this on the floor and in committee meetings and on social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, it like, really, it comes, it's, it's still a he said, she said, it comes sure. down to who you believe more. Sure. And, like, I mean, you're right. We're, we're not in the room, but I guess what I'm trying to say is this is not just you and I sitting in my dining room speculating like, oh, maybe that happened. It's like, oh, this is what someone else said it first. This right? is what we have heard happened. And the folks that we heard it from are people who do sit in these meetings. True. Um, True. All right. Well, I guess that's really all that we know right now. So to, so to recap 1019, the budget bill, governor Fallon vetoed, uh, 165 of the 170 sections. Supposedly we think that she has done it in a way that is constitutional and will protect funding for vital services for vulnerable Oklahomans through December 1st. She has said she is calling the legislature back for a second special session. Uh, hat tip Carly Putnam on Twitter. If you want a if you want a great time, go read Carly Putnam's feed of all of the names that one could ascribe to the second extraordinary session. Yeah, she's the, the uh, healthcare and homelessness, I think, kind of policy analyst with the Oklahoma Policy Institute. Um, she's a good person overall, but yeah, last night she was really. Doing great with movie titles involving yes. the the term special session. Yes, it was it was pretty pretty spectacular. Um, and she's at Carly Putnam on Twitter. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, that's her handle. Um, she's calling the she's calling the representatives and the senators back for another special session. I she hasn't said when yet, 
my suspicion is that this will be the Monday after Thanksgiving. Um, you know, everybody's, I think, already gone back to their districts. It's the holiday next week. It's not like they're going to stay in session. They'd be recessed over Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday anyway, presumably. Um, so I suspect that the second special session will come back Monday. Um, what they do when they get there is anybody's guess. Um, there's been some statements from legislators kind of saying that the governor um, needs to be held accountable. I'm not, again, really sure for what, given that this appears to be her constitutional authority. But um, we'll see. We'll We'll see, but that's kind of where we're at. Right. Yeah. So we will wait and find out. So we're going to take next week off due to the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, we encourage everyone to watch our favorite West Wing episode, Shibboleth, from Season 2, Episode 8, if you want to get in the holiday spirit. Absolutely. There are several good. Uh, Indians in the Lobby, also another great Thanksgiving episode, right. if you're in the mood for that's that. That's good. I agree. And then we'll come back uh, the week following, which is the... Oh, it'll be December by then. Man, this year is flying by. I know, right? Time flies when you're miserably following a special session of the legislature. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. All right. Well, this brings us to the end of this episode. Remember, you can connect with us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Fix This OK. I, Andy, I'm at Andy OKC. I think on both of those platforms. Scott is at SC Melson. Also on both platforms. Right. You can also like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash let's fix this okay. Or heck, just go to the website, let's fix this okay.org, and there you can find our social media handles. You can sign up for our newsletter, read our blog, find details about upcoming events. Uh, and then a bunch of other information, helpful resources. There's a list of all the contact info for legislators. All kinds of great stuff. Our podcast is edited and produced by Scott and me. And Let's Pod This is a member of the Mostly Harmless Media Network. Our theme music is provided by the Sugar Free All Stars. Let's Fix This is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization who strives to educate and equip all Oklahomans to engage with their government. We encourage you to get involved in any way that you can. Remember, decisions are made by those who show up.